You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Hello everybody and here we are in the sunny sunshine in Sweden in Jönköping and we have a beautiful festival, the Microsystem Festival. And one of the participants, I think for many years, is Tina Foster. So now I have the opportunity to have a chat with Tina about sustainability and maybe about co-production. Let's have a look, Tina. Uh, uh, can you tell me who, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Great. Well, I'm very glad to be here and really excited to be at the Microsystem Festival and enjoying this amazing and beautiful sunny weather. Uh, a little different from back home in Vermont, uh, where it's very snowy right now. Uh, I work at Dartmouth, and as you know, there's a long-standing relationship between Dartmouth and Jern Shipping, and um, and uh, have been working there for about the last 18 years, um, thinking about improvement and how improvement can be incorporated into frontline care, and particularly thinking about how we train, particularly physicians, but other professionals of all varieties in understanding what it takes to lead improvement and sustainable system change. Um, we've had for many years a uh, preventive medicine program, probably a little bit like social medicine here. So a sort of a mix of thinking about direct clinical care as well as uh, population health and system change. And our primary faculty actually in that program have been called coaches since the day we started. Uh, and 18 years ago, it was really hard to find professors who wanted to be called coaches. Uh, they finally came to really feel like they owned that term. And uh, now it's kind of an honor to be a coach in our program. So, so can you define what does it mean to be a coach? Well, uh, there were a couple reasons that we chose that word. One was that we were basically assigning the coaches as opposed to having the residents pick their own mentors. Um, and I think the idea that uh, you're sort of there with the learner, um, helping them learn, um, but helping through inquiry a lot. Rather, it's very different than most medical residency training where there's sort of a body of knowledge that you're mastering and there's a faculty person who often has the answers or can tell you exactly what to do. Um, in this work, and I think one of the great joys for the coaches is that you don't necessarily know exactly what to do. You're figuring it out as you go along and you're supporting the resident. Um, we interviewed our residents about 10 years ago about this and one of them said, He described it as sort of like being on a nature hike with your coach and you're sort of picking up these rocks and looking under them and looking under the bushes and seeing what you can find. And our coaches loved the fact that oftentimes the big questions that the residents are struggling with about how do I make inroads into this microsystem or how do I get people to commit to this change, they're often really analogous to what the coaches are working with in their own work. So really everybody's learning. So I think that was a piece of it as well. And you've been working with this many years, so you said 18? So I've been at Dartmouth for about 18 years, and we uh, graduated our first resident from the um, preventive medicine program about 14 years ago. So, yeah. And, been... and I still see the sparkle in your eye, and I still see <laughs> the, the passion, and I still mm -hmm. see the commitment. So, so how did you do that, that, to build this sustainable passion for improvement and coaches? Good question. Um, and, and I will say it is sustainable. I would say the best indication I've had that it's sustainable is a few years ago when we had budget challenges and we had to actually 
sort of pay the coaches a little bit less. No one quit. They all wanted to keep doing it. Um, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of different elements. I mean, one is the fact that we know we're making change that is improving the lives and health of our patients, but also sort of the lives and the joy at work of the people that, that are affected by the changes at the microsystem level. Um, I think working with learners is always very uh, regenerating. Yeah. You know, I mean, you sort of see people develop and grow and change and, um, and leave with a whole set of capabilities that I don't think they knew they were even going to get when they came in. Uh, I think people are attracted to our program because it sounds interesting and they, they have a sense that they want to make change and they have a very strong sense. I think most of them are drawn to the program because they know that things could be better, yeah. but they don't quite know how to get there. Um, and they leave with a, with a wonderful story and a real sense of accomplishment. That doesn't mean that they all make incredible, sustainable change that transforms the system. I mean, we know that that's, that's quite a tall order. Um, but they leave with a very real sense of what it takes to try to make change in a complex system. They've learned how to deal with some of those frustrations. They've been supported through that by their coaches. But they all leave with some degree of success. Um, you know, we're, we're an educational program. So in my mind, if people learn something, that's really the main goal. And many times they are able to make significant changes. And a fair amount of the time, those changes are actually sustainable. Sometimes they've been sustainable in ways that now the changes are so incorporated into our institution that nobody even knows that way back when this was actually a resident project yeah. that started that. And sometimes, you know, as in all improvement, we're in this river that's flowing along and, oh, we changed our electronic health record. So all of that work that you did to work within our old electronic health record out the window because we have a new one. Yeah. Um, I like your framing <laughs> that you say everybody has some degree of success. Mm -hmm. Uh, because sometimes you look at the other side. Yeah. And, oh, th this failed and this was not a good yeah. project. Yeah. Uh, but um, I like that. And you said also people are leaving with a whole bunch of capabilities. Mm -hmm. Do they see that themselves or do you see this as a teacher or faculty? I think we see it as a teacher and I think they see it themselves. We, we did a project uh, about a year ago where I was really curious to know what the impact of the program had been on our graduates. And so we we sort of tried to, we know where almost everyone is. We emailed them all and said, hey, would you have a conversation about the program? And then I actually um, hired someone who understood the territory of the program, but wasn't affiliated with it, hoping that they would be a little more candid uh, with her. And we were able to reach quite a few. And uh, it, it was really interesting. There were people who had gone off, um, I'm thinking in particular of someone who, he was doing a fellowship in gastroenterology when we worked with him, and then he went off and did another fellowship, and he did another one, and now he's the head of a gastroenterology lab somewhere. And you know, he said, for like eight years after I finished the program, I was doing more training, and I didn't really think about what I'd learned there, and now I'm running this lab, and all these lessons are coming back to me, and it was really, I was really happy to see that the learning had been sustainable, that he still understood a lot of the principles about systems thinking and change and improvement, that they had come back to him fairly naturally and he felt really comfortable applying them. Um, they were, for the most part, able to articulate sort of um, things they had learned about leading change and things they had learned about working with groups of people uh, that I was really happy to hear. 
and it gave me a really good sense of we're having the outcome which we wanted, which we were hoping for, which was to be to create a group of clinicians who really can think about change a little differently and understand how to work in these complex systems. Now I have a tricky question. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, what would be the biggest lesson you think to lead change or to coach change? What 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 is really important to build sustainability? Um, I think it's a mix of things. I'm I'm slightly obsessed with this idea that we live in a world of scarcity, but there's actually so much around us. We, we you know, um, this is a little digression, but I think one of the things that attracted me to really getting deeply involved in improvement work years ago was I'm sort of fundamentally an optimist and most people who work in improvement, I mean, we, we think things can be better, right? Yeah, so we have the ability to see things positively. And I think finding that abundance where it is and and recognizing the potential that's in people or the resources that our patients bring to what we do or um, kind of seeing the strength and resilience of a system. Um, I, think, I think those are, are kind of wins that help support that sustainability, that, that, that willingness and ability to look at a system and kind of see what's in there and then work to, to kind of draw it out. Um, so I think that's important. I think, um, I think we, um, I've been doing teaching here this week with Margie Godfrey, and um, one, of, one of the things that, um, that we've really been working on um, is I, this idea of the relational components of what we do in improvement, and that after such a focus on kind of the tools and the techniques and the all the stuff that some people are a little bit put off by the jargon and the you know that yeah. yeah I mean those are fundamental yeah. but they're tools yes. um, but in order to use those tools you have to sort of create the relationships and I think that relational component of what we do is really sustaining as well I mean that's about kind of human interaction and that's where the joy happens and that's where you have the fun I mean it's where you have the pain too but that's I mean you have to have both of those things in life so I think it's it's about those kind of human connections and using these tools to help us kind of make changes that produce um, you know, the feeling that you're doing good and the knowledge from your patients and from the people you work with that you're doing good. I mean, I think I think that's something that keeps bringing me back to it and that I have a sense that many of our resident graduates are feeling as well. Oh, good, because normally I always think about Dartmouth, a lot of measurements, uh -huh. measurement, <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm very happy to hear it's also yeah. about the feeling. Yeah. So we need to combine those things. So if right. we have those in place, our measurements, not only the feeling, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. if you have those in place, then we can build yeah. sustained. Yeah, yeah. What you were telling about your coaches, we also have coaches mm -hmm. in Sweden. By the way, I didn't present myself. <laughs> uh, my name is Nikki Wackerberg, yeah. and I'm development leader at Kulturen. Uh, we also have coaches in our mm -hmm. master program and in other programs, and we don't pay them at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, you see that a lot of coaches stay, but some yeah. coaches do it for one or yeah. three years, and then they say, well, now I take a break, yeah. but then they will come back. Yeah. So there is a winning situation mm -hmm. that the, the coaches learn as well as, yeah. as the, the yeah. project team or as the masters. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I think if we keep the, the learning component, component and mm -hmm. the joy, mm -hmm. the joy in the relationship, um, that yeah. it will be very helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would love it if we didn't have to pay our coaches. But we, um, we're in an interesting situation because 
we don't really have a, there is no department of preventive medicine at Dartmouth. We, we don't really have sort of a departmental home or infrastructure. So we're sort of operating within the world of graduate medical education. And there are many, many other demands on our yeah. coaches. And we really felt it would be important to be able to put a little bit of a claim to that time. And, um, and, and it does in some senses, you know, they show up a little bit more for things, you know. Well, you should but, honor um, them. In, yeah, in some absolutely. Way you should honor them. Absolutely. And exactly what you say, you should find the time. Yeah. So we are talking a lot with the chiefs that mm -hmm. this is a way of uh, hiring their competence right. as well. Right. So you can see it as that way. Uh, but it is a bit tricky. Yeah. How, how are you going to yeah. do it? And we want to have a lot of coaches. Right. Right. So then, then it maybe it's not right. about the money. Right. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so there, therefore, we have this microsystem festival mm -hmm. and other things that you keep the energy. So yeah. You have to put in something. Right. How do we keep it sustained? Is there anything else you you want to to talk about to keep sustainability? Um, well, I think this whole idea of of co-production um, sort of fits in there as well. Um, because I really think it's it's through co-production that we begin to really understand what everyone is bringing. Can so, you give me your definition of co-production? <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Yeah. 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 So what this is sort mean? of a gestalt definition of co-production because I think there's a lot of different co-production definitions. But I, I think it's essentially um, for me, it's the idea that what we're doing, we're doing um, in partnership with our patients. That we are that uh, I like Paul's framing of the idea of this sort of service as sort of relationship and activities. Yes. And that we've done a lot of activities and we've had a very one directional view, I think traditionally in medicine of what the relationship is and yes. sort of really um, investigating that differently, thinking about how we recognize the expertise that patients and families bring to what we're doing. And, you know, we've done a lot of work, I would say, over the last few decades at kind of rec recognizing the expertise of everyone on the team, but we left the patient off yeah. the team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and I think for me, that's that's where a lot of the abundance is, you know? So so here here is a whole new set of capabilities and ways of looking at the world and resources that that come to bear. Um, so I think it's really genuine. It, you have to genuinely believe that. I think that's huh. that's where we struggle a little bit sometimes, and it's very hard to divest oneself of decades and decades of training about how you kind of know what other people need. And the fact is, we really don't. Um, so really seeing it as something that is is uh, co-created by the team members, including patients and families, um, and understanding that um, this is something that we both have to be there for this to happen. So this idea that without both parties there, as this service is simultaneously created and consumed, it, it really isn't going to happen at all. That's not a definition at all, but hopefully. <laughs> no, no, no. But, yeah. um, when I listen, you say that simultaneously cre will create. So that also means that you can really plan it mm -hmm. because it will, mm -hmm. it will emerge. I think that's really true. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that people really would like to have a plan, a strategic mm -hmm. plan. You know, mm -hmm. everything is already in their head. Right. And right. Then suddenly the reality right. is something else. Right. And that's where, where we need our coaches. And yeah. And maybe keep the people not too long in the planning phase. Yeah. Just start doing yeah. it and let it emerge. I mean, years and years of teaching improvement, the biggest challenge, 
I find, is getting people not, it's human nature. We all want to fix stuff. So we all have the design ready before we even understand the problem, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and uh, sort of, you know, it's just this constant sort of backing up and saying, wait, how do we know that? How do we know that? And getting to people, people to be articulate about why they think a particular intervention will actually work, sort of that that whole piece around theory. So, um, so no, we, we don't know what it is until we really understand the territory. And the territory is constantly changing around us. And there is something that happens in that moment to moment, that space in between the parties, yeah. that connection that happens, that you have to be awake to that. You have to be able to let it emerge, you yeah. know. Okay, thank you so much. I think we got a lot of interesting <laughs> things. So I hope that the coaches uh, think it will be helpful to Well, whoever. hopefully it is. And if you have any questions outside there, or do, if you want to continue this conversation, just let us know, because uh, we would really like to know your point of view. Um, so this theme for this uh, spring will be uh, co-production and sustainability. Uh, so I hope to, uh, to, uh, to hear you next time. Uh, bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.